Uh, please open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. Um, it's great to be with you. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, if you have the blue pew Bibles, that's going to be around page 222. If you have the black pew Bibles, it's going to be around page 208. Um, I'm Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're here at GCF where we exist to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered evangelism, gospel-centered discipleship, and gospel-centered community. Um, we're in a series, a, a pretty short series through the book of Ruth called From Emptiness to Fullness, From Emptiness to Fullness. And we'll be looking at Ruth 2 uh, here briefly, uh, shortly, and, and I'm excited to share its message with us. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you. We pray that Jesus Christ, the descendant of Ruth, would be the great hero of this sermon. We pray that you would help me to help these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in, no, in November 1979, Kenneth Taylor was a can, the Canadian ambassador to Iran, and he was probably living in a pretty tense uh, time. He was feeling tense in his household because on November 4th, what happened is a, a group of students belonging to the Muslim student followers of the Imam's line, that group of people, invaded the U.S. Embassy and took 52 people hostage. So this Canadian, knowing that we have good diplomatic relations with Americans, is probably feeling a little tense. Four days after these riots starts, on about the 8th, six foreigners, six Americans, knock on his door, the ambassador of Canada, and are looking for protection. They're looking for safety, looking for food and shelter. They arrive on Ambassador Taylor's doorstep. He gets permission from the Canadian government, says, yeah, we, we'll harbor them, we'll help you take care of these people, protect these people. So he takes great risk upon himself. In fact, he has about half of those people actually staying in his own house during that time. So Ambassador Taylor was one man, but he was representing a whole nation. He was representing Canada. In a sense, he was Canada's man to help these foreigners try to live a life that they were meant to live, a life that's full, we would say. It has safety, food, shelter. He functioned for Canada. He represented Canada for these Americans. And through his, uh, their work and then the help of the CIA, they actually got those six people out of, the, out of Iran. Uh, the movie Argo talks about this, but typical American filmmakers... We'll just leave the Canadians out of it, even though they played the biggest part of it. And we'll talk about how great we are. So I love being American, but that's what happened with that movie. In Ruth 2, we meet God's ambassador, this guy named Boaz. So Naomi and her, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, are foreigners. They arrive on the doorstep, if you will, in Bethlehem of this man, Boaz. And like Ambassador Taylor, Boaz was sent to these people. He's sent to represent the one who sent him, provide protection and shelter, a full sort of life for these foreigners. So that's the overarching theme of this chapter, really, and that's this. God's ambassador brings fullness. God's ambassador brings fullness. If, if Ruth is from 
from emptiness to fullness. It's God's ambassador here that brings the fullness, as we're going to see. So, we'll see as we look at these days in the Bethlehem barley and following wheat harvest, how God's ambassador brings fullness. And so, we'll do that by looking at four things. We'll be introduced to this ambassador of fullness, being introduced to God's ambassador here. Then we'll see that God's ambassador fills others by God's providence. So it's God providing, but it's God's ambassador using uh, God's providence. Then we'll see that God's ambassador goes beyond providence. He's freely generous. So God's ambassador fills through free generosity. And then last, we'll notice that filling others blesses God's ambassador. Filling others actually blesses the one who does the filling, God's ambassador. So first, let's look at the, let's start at the beginning, introducing God's ambassador of fullness. So there's this ambassador who's going to fill others. He's God's ambassador. We're going to get introduced to him there in verse one. Let's look at it. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So empty Ruth, empty Naomi, they show up in Bethlehem. There's, there's a ray of hope uh, because now the barley harvest has started, but they're still empty. And then now there's a shot out of the clear blue Bethlehem sky. There's someone in Bethlehem worth naming, and his name is Boaz. Someone who we're told is a worthy man. He's related to Elimelech in some way. Naomi knows him, we're going to see, but we don't know exactly how close that relationship was. We're never really told, but we're told he's a worthy man. What does that mean, a worthy man? What would you think that would mean? Well, this here in, in Hebrew, it could mean a man, it could be a military fighter, it could be a man of strength, could mean that, could mean he's a man of wealth, which we're going to see he is. It could mean that he's a man of principles, of character. That's precisely what he is. In many ways, if I was to translate this in my language, if you ever hear me say this about you, this is like the height of my compliments. Boaz is a class act. He's a class act. He's not just up for show. He's not a hypocrite. He doesn't just say things. He actually is what he appears to be. He's a class act. He's a man of godly talk and loving action. Someone who really represents who and what God is like. Boaz. And so, like most good love stories with happy endings, we meet Mr. Right right away. Even before the protagonists meet him, we meet Mr. Wright, right here, he's introduced. There's something going on now. Ruth and Naomi might be feeling empty, but there's more going on than meets the eye at this point in time. So that's good news. We've been introduced to God's ambassador of fullness. He's he's representing God to these these women, both old and young. So we've been introduced to him. Now let's look second at how God's ambassador fills by God's providence. God's ambassador fills by God's providence. That's kind of a mouthful. But God's providence is defined by Pastor John Piper, who's got a huge book coming out on this, as God's purposeful sovereignty, meaning that God rules over everything 
for a purpose. God rules over everything for a purpose. That's God's providence. And God fills, uses his ambassador. God's ambassador fills by God's providence. So let's see this in verses 2 through 7 and see how it applies to Ruth and Naomi. God's ambassador fills by God's providence. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I, will, I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And, be, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to this, to this young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. She has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. God's providence is God's purposeful sovereignty. He's ruling all things. And in that word providence, many people don't notice, begins with the word provide. God provides. And we see here God's providence at work. It's at work. So in ancient Israel, God has set up this system. Okay, that if you have crops, you don't go and you, you don't pick every single grain of barley to grind for your flour. You don't pick every single grape off the vine. You don't pick every single olive. You leave some of them up for the poor who don't have their own land maybe, don't have any food. They can come along and, and pick a few. So you got an apple tree, you don't pick every apple. You leave a few on there. Let others come by and take them. That's God's providence there. God is providing a way to care for the poor. So people come along and glean. They take the gleanings, what's left over. And they can, they can, make their, they can survive that way. That's God's providence. But we see in verse 3, there's more going on than that. Ruth just happens, says to come to a field belonging to Boaz. just happens. If we, were to if we were to translate this into contemporary English, we'd say, by sheer chance, by luck, Ruth shows up here. But see, the audience who read this originally knows if God exists, there is no luck. There is no chance. Not really. God is in control of it all. And look, not only does she just show up, but look at just the right time. Here comes Boaz, marching down the, down the road from Bethlehem. Here he is. And look at him. He talks like a believer. He talks like him. He said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And his employees, they seem to think he's a class act. They want to bless him in return. They say, the Lord bless you. Boaz, it's good to be one of your workers. And Boaz, God's ambassador, the worthy man, the class act, in God's providence, sees a nobody in his field. 
He sees a nobody. He says, whose young woman is this? See, in this culture, if you're a woman, your identity was tied up in who you belonged to. So here's this nobody, this, this Moabite woman. Who, whose tribe do you belong to, Ruth? I'm from Moab. I'm in nobody's tribe. Who, who, whose daughter are you, Ruth? Well, I left my family back in Moab. I, I'm basically an orphan. I'm nobody's daughter. Whose husband are you, Ruth? Well, my husband's dead. I don't have a husband. I have nobody. Nobody has me. I'm a nobody. Ruth is a nobody, but she's noticed by God's ambassador. She's noticed by Boaz. And that must mean she's noticed by the one Boaz represents. She's noticed by God. Beware how any culture decides to say who's a somebody and who's a nobody. Because it always changes. always changes with time. You should look at what, what God thinks makes somebody a somebody. That's what really matters. So do you feel like a nobody sometimes? No great family. No great job. No great popularity. No great wealth. A nobody? God notices you. He notices you. He created you in His image. In God's providence, in His sovereign, purposeful act. He sent you here today, not by chance, to hear this. You're not a nobody. You aren't here by sheer chance or good luck. And as you're going to see, God loves to fill up empty people, loves to take nobodies and make them somebody. Do you recognize, if you're a Christian, that God has also brought you people in his providence? Visitor walk through the door. I might make some visitors really com- uncomfortable here. Because if you're a Christian, you should recognize your eyes are looking for the nobody to make them understand that God cares for them. Do you look for them? Do you take an interest in people like Boaz took an interest in Ruth? Do you get to know them? If you believe in God's providence, then you will act in light of God's providence. We better care about the people God has led to us like Boaz does. So God's ambassador, we've been introduced to him, and he fills, he fills by God's providence, but he goes beyond that. He doesn't just take advantage of God's providence. We're going to notice that God's ambassador, third, fills through free generosity. He fills others through free generosity, not under compulsion. So let's read verses 8 through 16 together, a long chunk there, but follow along. This is kind of the the heart of the action of the story. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? 
But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord, Yahweh, notice how it's all caps there, repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. She ate until she was satisfied. She had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. I think there might be a picture if we can get it up. We're in a modernized culture. We don't really know what sheaves look like many times. There they are. So the, the thought is, is that in ancient times before you had combines and balers, is that people would go and they would reap with those old sides like the Grim Reaper has, cut it down. And then the thought is here probably is that the young, the young men would cut down the grain and the young women would go behind and tie them into sheaves and then stack them up. And we're going to see here that Boaz, though, is a very generous man. Because what would normally happen is there'd just be corners of the field where the gleaners could go. But see, Boaz has heard something about Ruth. And who did he hear it from? He must have heard it from Naomi. Must have heard it from Naomi. He's heard about Ruth being committed to her mother-in-law, saying, Naomi, your people, my people. Your God, my God. He's heard that. Heard of that she was a good wife to her former husband. And so as God's ambassador, in God's providence, Boaz could have left just a little corner of the fields. He could have just left just a little bit of grain around the edges. Could have done that. Kept the letter of the law. But Boaz is very generous. His free generosity. If he's really God's ambassador, he's better be generous like God is generous with us. So he, he prays God's blessing over her. And he says, you know what? I'm going to pray that God would be your refuge. You would take refuge under his wings. You need a refuge? I'm going to pray that, that God would be your refuge. And you know what? Ruth, Moabite woman, let me tell you something. Don't just stay on the corners. Don't just stay on the edges. Come out into the center of the field. I'm going to give up some of my profits for you. Come, come out, follow the reapers. You know where they drop one? Normally they would pick that one up. You pick that up. You keep it. And then it's time for a lunch break. You can imagine the foreign woman kind of left out in public school, sitting at the table by herself. Boaz says, no, come here. Come here. Have some of my bread. I, I really only brought it for my servants, but I want you to have it. And look, we roasted some grain. We got some fresh cereal here. Just cooked it up. Here, take some. Take a lot. How much? Till you're full. And then if you have any left over, take it home. 
God, freely generous. And then he says, hey, reapers, don't you harm this young woman. This is the day of the judges. Lots of, lots of sexual and physical attacks on outcasts. He says, so if you're God's ambassador, you better care about that. So he says, hey, you guys, you look out for her. You protect her. He says, hey, you harvesters, you, you reapers, don't just bundle them up like that. When you do, if you notice that she's working hard, just pull some out, actually. That's taking money out of his own pocket, giving it to Ruth. See, different ambassadors have different callings, but Boaz is God's ambassador, showing that God is a full and generous God, loves to give generously. What has God given you? God's given you his very best. He's given you his son. He's given you himself. It's really interesting because God is infinite. We think about that for a minute. Lots of times we feel empty and we, we want someone to fill us up. But if God is infinite, the problem can't be from him. Because he's always got more to give. He's always giving more. So the problem sometimes while we feel empty is maybe like the mouth on our container, our hearts, are too closed, too tight. We don't want to let anything in. Maybe that's the problem. But look how generous God is with you. He's given you his son. He's given you, Christian, eternal life. What more could you possibly want? He's given you the fullness, the abundant life. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, see, Christians are Christ's ambassadors. So let me extend to you God's generosity as God's ambassador. Come to Christ today. Let him fill you. Let him satisfy you. Ruth had, was given so much from God's ambassador that she was overflowing. She was able to take stuff home. That's what will happen when you come to Jesus. doesn't mean everything, all your problems will instantly go away. But it does mean that there will be more than enough for you in Jesus Christ. And, it, and we know that because you can take refuge in Christ. And we know that because Jesus took God's wrath on the cross in yours and my place. He was a shield for you and me. We deserve judgment for our sins. Jesus says, hide behind me. Take refuge behind me. I will take the wrath. And he did. And he rose three days later. So put your trust in Christ. Receive his free generosity. Likewise, when we think about what God has given us, if I may get political or economical for a moment, when I worked at SeaWorld San Diego, I was not a dolphin trainer. I worked at a place called Mango Joe's Beach Cafe. I was basically a fast food worker. But what was really interesting is at the end of the night, one my favorite job was to, to make tortillas. I, I had these little balls of dough and put it on this conveyor, but anyhow, um, it was really fun. And uh, that, that was the only thing fun. It was probably the closest to hell I'll ever get. I don't know. And I went through chemotherapy twice. Um, but anyhow, 
Anyhow, so I'm working at SeaWorld, and at the end of the night, one night, I'm closing down, and they said, they said, hey, Brett, um, take all that dough you have left over, you know, enough for making, I don't know, 2,000 tortillas, uh, go chuck that in the dumpster, okay? See, we have this system, we have this big giant government, and it keeps getting bigger, and it makes all kinds of rules. And yeah, we care about health, and we should, but what ends up happening is major waste. In God's economy, God would say, take that dough, cook those tortillas, find people to give it to. You also notice here how this seems to be a little bit better system than most welfare programs. Now, the good thing I like about welfare, I'll say this, is that it proves, and this is a good thing, that people are more important than money. Every Christian should believe that. But notice God, in God's economy, he says, I've got a way to care for the poor. You don't just hand it out. If they're willing to work, I'll make sure I provide for them a way to work, to get some food. Maybe even get enough that they could sell on their own. So do you notice how God dignifies work here? So that there's, there's a reason. Your job is, is more than just about yourself. You can care about other people through your job. So think about that. Christian employers, you're God's ambassadors. You have to have your eye on something more than maximizing profits. Profits really matter. God wants you to run efficiently. He wants you to make a living so that you can be generous. But there has to be something more to it than just profits. How can you help others by providing dignified employment? What can you do with your leftover materials? What can you do with them? If you're in food service, what do you do with the leftover food? Can, can you give bonuses, in a sense, like Boaz is doing, for hard workers? Do you do that? You're God's ambassador. Homeowners. You have that spare bedroom, maybe. Could you house that foster child for a couple months? Could you... Could you could you, that, that wife who's, who's fleeing the abusive relationship, could you let her stay with you? It's, be generous as God's ambassador? Do you, do you have to sell that stuff on Facebook, Craigslist for a profit? Or can you just give it away? Does it, now, different people are going to have different answers to this at different times. We don't need to be judgmental on one another. But God's ambassador here fills others with free generosity. Free generosity. Do we? That's how God brings fullness, through his ambassadors. Free generosity. And God's ambassador brings fullness. Brings fullness. We know that because God is so generous to give us his son. We've been filled up. We should want to give to others. So we've met God's ambassador. We've been introduced to him. We've seen that God fills through his ambassador and that ambassador fills through God's providence, and then through free generosity. Now let's look at something else. Filling others blesses God's ambassador. Filling others actually blesses the one who gives. Blesses God's ambassador. Let's look at verses 17 through 23. 
So she, that's Ruth, gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. I'm sure that's a really helpful measurement for you. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close, verse 23, to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Boaz's generosity, filling others like Ruth and Naomi, made other people want to bless him. Shouldn't be too surprising, should it? You bless others. They want to bless you back. They want God to care for you. Ruth has brought back somewhere between 30 and 50 pounds of barley grain. 30 and 50 pounds. One day. If she picked up that much for the next few days, she would have had enough grain for Naomi and Ruth for the rest of the year. But she probably kept it up for about six weeks. It's a lot of grain. Naomi, therefore, blesses God's ambassador. Says, God, bless Boaz. Look how generous he's been. Would you please bless him? So Naomi prays that. And here's Naomi. What did she say at the, at the end of chapter 1? I went away full. God's brought me back empty. But now all of a sudden she starts to think, I used to be empty of bread. Now I'm not. God seems to be filling me up some way with, with grain. If he's filling me up with grain, maybe he'll also start to fill me up with the offspring that I lost. And maybe, maybe it's not just chance. Maybe it's really God's providence. This man's a redeemer. He's a kinsman redeemer. He's someone that could prevent, present some sort of new opportunities, as we'll, we'll see. Boaz could, as a redeemer, take over Elimelech's field. It could take over Naomi's stuff could provide for them. He could be their benefactor. He could free them from a life of poverty. He could, in a sense, be their retirement plan. Could be their income. Could be a husband. And Ruth knows she needs a husband. Ruth knows that, okay, we might be getting enough to make it through the year here, but long term, I need a husband to really be provided for. Naomi told me that back in chapter one. If I want rest, I need a husband. 
And so that's why I think Ruth says, hey, look at what Boaz said. Do you notice? He said, I could keep close to his young men. Naomi, I could keep close to the young men. Find a husband among those servants. But Naomi, this might be beginning to be a little less bitter and a little more hopeful. She begins to see something else. She wants Ruth to set her sights a little bit higher. There's Boaz, a worthy man, a kinsman redeemer, a class act. So perhaps over the following weeks of harvest, Naomi is kind of checking in on Ruth every night. So, Ruth, who'd you glean with today? So, Ruth, uh, Boaz swing by? (laughs) Ruth, you know, Boaz, he's a worthy man. He's one of our redeemers. Did you talk to him? You know, Ruth, were the girls giggling when you guys were looking at each other? He's a worthy man. He's a redeemer. But the story's not over yet. At the end of the harvest, Ruth is still living with her mother-in-law. Which is a good sign about Ruth. Because remember what Ruth said? She said, wherever you go, I will go. So Ruth is a woman of action. She's a woman who keeps her word. As we'll see next week, she's a worthy woman. She stays close to Naomi. But it also tells us, this, the end of this chapter, verse 21, that Ruth is a Moabite. She's a foreigner. She's not just from the wrong side of the tracks. She's from the wrong side of the Dead Sea. So we better keep our expectations and hopes pretty low. A happy ending may not come along. She's a nobody. But we're also seeing that God is up to something. He's providing for empty Naomi. He's beginning to fill her up. He's using God's ambassador to do that. She's empty of bread, but now she's being filled with bread. She was empty of offspring. Could that be changing? So the end of chapter 2, we've met Boaz, God's ambassador. Boy has met girl. And this boy is a redeemer. The kind that you kind of dream about, you know. I, I don't know what Boaz's last name. But maybe Ruth would scratch on the wall, you know, Ruth. Boaz's last name. Mrs. Boaz's last name. Or maybe Naomi is. Dreaming a little bit about this Redeemer, imagining the blessing of being redeemed. Well, Christian Jesus has redeemed every part of you, including your imagination, including your dreams. Do you dream about being with your Redeemer? Famous hit song, even played on secular stations. I can only imagine. Mercy Me is on to something there. They're using biblical principles, keeping them on track here. But imagine, what would it be like to really be with the Redeemer? What would that be like? Our Redeemer, Christian, has come. He's come. 
Do you imagine your happily ever after with Jesus? It's good to be aware of the sin and fallenness in the world and in our hearts. That's, that's good. But do you acknowledge that you have a reason to put your hope and trust in the future in your Redeemer? Do you engage your imagination of being full? Not just full of food and a home and a shelter, although the new heavens and the new earth will be the best possible home, the best possible future, the best possible food. Do you, do you think about that, of being uninterrupted relationship with God himself, no obstacles? Do you imagine that? Maybe that's your assignment for this week. Do you imagine how God's eternal and infinite fullness will empty you of your pains and fears, fill you with pleasure and joy? We were captives. We were beggars like this. But Jesus has come and redeemed us. He's freed us. And you know what's amazing? Ruth only got God's ambassador. When Jesus came, comes to us and he's coming again in fullness, we get God himself. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've provided a redeemer in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that you are infinitely full, so it's easy for you to fill us up, who are just finite little people. Thank you. We pray, Lord, that we would rejoice in the fact that you have always been guiding history, you've always been guiding your people, you've always been using your purposeful sovereignty to accomplish your tasks, to bring us fullness. Lord, many of us, though, have had a hard week. We can feel empty. Lord, we don't recognize what we have. Would you please, Lord, for those of us who are hurting, feeling empty, would you reveal to us your son Jesus? Would you fill us up? Would you fill our hearts to overflowing? In Jesus' name, amen.